Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also Mike, in a moment. And we are once again uh, honored and blessed to be joined by a a co-host, an expert in the field, and the artisan expert for variety, Michael. Yeah, Jazz Tanke returns to us once again, one of our favorite conversations of of every year now, we hope, uh, to talk about costume and production design, to talk about makeup and hairstyling, to talk about a bunch of categories, original song, uh, a lot on the the undercard. We go movie by movie, we go category by category. Uh, She is the artisan's editor, senior artisan's editor at Variety Mike, and she's one of the best in the business. Yeah, absolutely, no doubt there, and she is uh, also one of the people responsible for Variety's Artisans Award Ceremony, something that they had last year and they will do again this year. It'll take place at the Santa Barbara Film Festival Monday, March 7th is when the, the film festival is and when you can expect the Artisan Awards from Variety. There's no better time to talk to jazz right now. We have the Muaz coming up this weekend, actually tonight if you're probably listening to this on Saturday, uh, as well as it's the Oscars Road, and we love talking about the undercard and the technical categories as is so like mike said definitely one of our favorite conversations one of the most insightful conversations we have every year yeah follow jazz at jazz t on twitter jazz t21 on instagram uh subscribe to varieties awards newsletter subscribe to their uh film production newsletter if you want to get daily updates about what she's doing or just click on variety because she's posting (laughs) like nine pieces a week she's so prolific it's so so brilliant we knew she was a rock star back at awards daily it was no surprise that variety scooped her up and and she's just been doing so much awesome work SAG AFTRA has her as a regular interviewer and uh, and certainly a, a Q&A moderator. She's also done a ton of work for the International Documentary Association, which I'm a part of, and the and film of Independent Mike. Uh, she's on YouTube. Just go and you could you can look at every interview she's been doing uh, that's been publicized there from all those uh, associations. And guys, she's you know you can listen to her as a regular on the uh, award circuit podcast at variety alongside michael schneider janelle riley and clayton davis without any further ado like we said one of our favorite conversations of the year the artisans conversation jazz tanke of variety enjoy guys we'll see you on the other side Joining us once again here on MMO, one of our favorite conversations, talking all things artisans, Jazz Tanke of Variety Jazz. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. Very excited to be back. Jazz, it's happened multiple times this past year where Mike and I say during an episode, and our fans know this, like, we have to ask Jazz this question. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't answer it in like an upcoming <laughs> you know, post or, or piece that you do for Variety, you'd like nine a week. It's unbelievable how prolific you are. Uh, we, we've tried to stash them in this episode. So there's like a bunch of burning questions here. And uh, we really appreciate you coming back. Let's do it. Let's do it. Bring them on. <laughs> all right. So like one of the biggest things you said all year that everybody took notice of and, and you use the word that brooms do, the action of a broom. I'm not going to say it right now and jinx it, but <laughs> you said that Dune 
Dune could be dominant after you saw it at the Fall Film Festivals. You were sky high with your praise about Dune. And you've been continuing to cover the film. Just last week, I think you did a huge Q&A. Obviously, Mm. 10 nominations later. uh, uh, Beyond Picture and Screenplay, eight of those nominations. uh, Out of those eight, six of them, Las Vegas has Dune as the betting favorite. So I'm wondering, you know, what your relationship has been with Dune for the for this award season and i'm wondering if you think it could still have that mad max fury road type of night at the oscars you know let's say the first thing i'm going to address is the denny villeneuve missing you know he Mm. released a a beautiful statement the other day which i thought was you know he is one of the nicest and most humble like filmmakers out there i've moderated so many panels for this film i feel like i've been going on this journey with them um (laughs) and so to that i was you know that was a snub or a miss i I don't want to use snub that was a miss i did not see coming at all and i don't Mm. think any oscar pundit saw that Mm. it was like okay maybe spielberg misses maybe del toro misses I really do not know anybody that had him missing. So the fact that it got in everywhere else is he's very happy for it. I'm so happy for it. Um, And to your question about, you know, my journey, my relationship with this film, what's fascinating is that every panel that I've done for this film, whether, well, most of them have been in person safely, may I add, um, there have been, there's always been over 100 people there. Saturday mm. at American Outlegion Outpost, there were 135 people, all vaxxed, tested, blah, 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 wow. with a panel of the artisans without Denis there. And I was asked, you know, I'm curious because this film came out in October. It's been on a, released on IMAX twice. It's, you know, they could have seen it on, on HBO Max. They're still mm-hmm. coming out um, and they're seeing it three or four times. So that to wow. me says, okay, there is a love and you know, it's not the, the movie going public, right? It's critics, it's guild, it's guild members, it's photos. That to me still says that this film could do really well below the line. And, you know, as a, and I think, you know, my colleague Clayton Davis said it was like, you know, the fact that he missed Oscar could push him for a DGA win. And I really can see mm. that happening. I think editing is still, you know, Joe Walker's, he's never won an Oscar before. It is, you know, it is a masterclass in the crafts, whether it's editing, mm. production design, the cinematography. Greg Frazier is the cinematographer for Batman. Greg Frazier also is the cinematographer for Dune. And I do love Ari Wagner. But every time you walk into Dune and you see that on a big screen, you're like, holy, mm-hmm. insert swear word. <laughs> this is like, <laughs> this is like yeah. incredible. So, yes, that is my thing with Dune. And I'm, I'm still, and score, score, you know, Hans Zimmer. I mean, my God, what he did with that. Yeah, I mean, it certainly is this technical marvel and we share your, miffedness at at Denis uh, missing and it's been one of our biggest talking points here I personally don't understand how a director can be so hands-on with one product 
and be the the composer of all these technical aspects and not get the recognition. I mean, just as an aside, if you had to speculate, do you think it was just a case of he was so obviously going to be nominated that when people were filling out their ballots, they wanted to spread love out other places? And it was just one of those cases where maybe he missed because of that? A hundred percent. I feel like... You know, because you 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 don't just go well, dune 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 dune, and then go ah, eh, best picture. No, like right. you know, I, I feel like it was the the where they where they didn't have it as number uh, where they didn't have him as number one. I feel like that's where that got impacted. But look, you know, it it, okay. it makes like, and to be fair, you know, drive my car got such a crazy you know, push towards the end, like people were sitting down for three hours. And I say three hours with like quote marks because, you know, there's thought there's that chat on the internet, like, well, the film's too long at like 90 minutes. (laughs) Here's a film in the race that's three (laughs) hours long. Um, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna take that away from Hamaguchi, but you know, I I think he, he would have, he obviously might've been the one where they're like, yeah, let's let's i saw drive my car i like it denny's gonna get in here you go yeah gotcha i mean i guess along those same lines do you find in talking with the the below the line and the crafts people specifically uh, this is kind of a two-parter but do you think you mentioned how dune was released in imax a couple and it was released a couple times on theatrical but obviously it did also play that simultaneous release with hbo max first of all what is the tenor you find uh, when talking with the people, the, the crafters below the line, are they, I don't want to use the word resentful, but it's the first one that comes to mind when they hear that the the simultaneous release, the day and date release is going on with streamers, seeing as they put so much time into their craft and they know not everyone will see it on the big screen. And does, does the fact that Dune is this epic blockbuster, do you find craftspeople pay more deference to it and, and praise it maybe more because it does have... Uh, the blockbuster budget and it does have they are able to maybe do whatever they want in terms of budget wise or at least able to do more things budget wise than with an independent product when it comes to the crafts i mean i don't think there's there's that uh, resentment i think there's there's that there's a lot of admiration for it like whoever i speak to you know at when we used to have events or whatever form of in-person things we had you know there, there always was an admiration for that um and yeah i mean in in terms of like you know how how they should ha- you know like i have honestly i'll be honest though i haven't really asked joe walker or like greg frazier of like so how was it to to you know see your film on like the back of a plane you know like on a forced right. screen my thing to that and i will speak for myself is that you know if a film is great like it it will it does translate i know it's a cinematic experience but like i i could watch that film on a flight from la to new york and still Mm -hmm. see the marvel and hear the marvel granted you know you'll have you know headphones on but um i mean obviously denis wants people to see it on the big screen and and you know every time he sees Every time I've done a Q&A with him and he sees people, like, seeing this film multiple times, he's always so gracious and so thankful that they take the time to come out. I mean, they were coming out, at, uh, you know, when Omicron was 
was running riot, you know, running riot. Um, right. And yeah, he was just grateful that people wanted to see it um, on the big screen because they didn't have to, right? Well, I know it's kind of a, a a fun part of the job and spreading the movie love, and and you really got me hyped to see Dune. Another movie you really got me hyped to see, and I, I still. And I really regret not seeing some screenings of this, having some chances. But Cyrano, you wrote mm. you wrote some awesome pieces on Cyrano. You made me miss a homeland I've never been to in Sicily. There, with with a lot of uh, the the interviews you were doing with the the production designers, etc., makeup artists, etc. Cyrano is this late breaker, and Dune was kind of established versus Cyrano now being something that's coming in at the last minute. But Joe Wright mm. has such a reputation showcasing his artisans his films have won oscars in many cases before but it hasn't yet played to mass audiences audiences that i know like our listeners are really juiced to see this one in, in the next couple of weeks so i over predicted cyrano i think because of your article so i blame you for that uh but i <laughs> no, I, I can you help like preview cyrano for us with the with the audiences and i i do encourage them uh to to read your pieces on it I, I, and i'm also wondering what you think of mgm and how they played it with that late release date kind of it's just coming out next week cyrano i know it's you know that to me was like wait i thought the film has been released like you know and so many people like mm -hmm. you know I'd, like you said i'd write articles about Cyrano's costume design or like i did you know q a with with peter dinklage and I'm like wait this one hasn't been released yet um and i don't I, you know i don't want to point fingers i generally think you know people go into people went into Cyrano and were like oh it's mm -hmm. a musical and I feel like that almost was a strike against it because there's this, mm. and I'm totally going to contradict myself now, but like there was this whole, oh, okay. Uh, and then instantly that barrier goes up. And if you have that barrier, getting it down is very difficult. Other people have mm. went in with com a completely open mind. We're like, oh, it's a musical. I'm so here for it. And so by the end of it, you are in love with Peter Dinklage. Right. You're in love with Hayley Bennett and you're Complete love of that production design, that costume, you know, all of it. And I think mm. that could be the disconnect. And I just think it's a general like, oh, can I see it? When can I see it? Like, where do I, where do I see it? And I think maybe that had a little thing to do with it. But also, having said that, MGM did a great job. They got screeners out. Like, you know, I, I, you know, there were screeners out early. Um, right. Maybe people don't didn't couldn't figure out the tech. Maybe people couldn't <laughs> don't have a DVD player. I don't know. Um, you know, because sometimes getting those screeners up and running is not <laughs> easy. But mm -hmm. yeah, that that's my thing on. So I'm I'm saddened for Cyrano. I'm kind of saddened again this year by our. We've high fived about Ruthie Carter's work in the past, and I'm saddened wow. by that snub in the costumes side of it but i'm also heartened by the coming to america you know makeup and hair nomination mm. on, on the other side so we're kind of talking about movie by movie and and campaigns and how that how 
these studios have worked at Amazon kept coming to America in the conversation uh, for a long time. That movie was released last March, almost a full year ago, <laughs> and they still have it getting nominations and many of us picking yep. it. So uh, on the flip side of Cyrano being such a late breaker, what do you think of Amazon and coming to America and keeping movies like Corella or coming to America kind of in the race for so long? I mean, that is no easy task. Like, you know, we talk about respect, you know, coming out early and, you know, why did, you know, is that why that missed? But I, I totally think Coming to America was such a loved movie. And I think, mm. you know, it was, it, it was, a, it's available. Like, you know, you could literally go into, you know, Prime Video and turn on, turn it on. And there it was. Um, I think Ruth Carter, you know, she did get a CDGA nomination. I honestly thought, you know, the, the, and I'll come back to makeup and hairstyling in a second, but mm -hmm. costume design this year was so crazy good. Like every mm. single film that got in, every single film that, you know, that missed was like nobody that, that got in did, doesn't deserve to be there. You know, it's right. such a great list of of the. It's such a great showcase of the the craft that you know, Paul Tazewell for West Side Story, you know, could have missed for Ruth, or you mm -hmm. know, what's her name, Janty Yates could have got in for the last year maybe, or like Hasaguchi. Yeah. I don't know how the 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 six, the seven, the eights worked. I mean, Mark Bridges, Licorice Pizza, he is loved, right? That's not. Like, it's no phantom thread by any means. But, you right. know, again, I was having this discussion. I was like, where do you put Mark Bridges? Like, uh, how far down will they love licorice pizza, right? Hmm. Because we know Mark Bridges is great. Um, and for coming to America, they did do a great... They, again, Amazon sent out screeners. They did not need to send out screeners, but they did. Uh, you know, and to counter that, you know, I don't even know what Disney did for Cruella, right? But Cruella showed up in costume and it was, it's such a costume movie. So, you know, it's, that's why Jenny Bevan got in. Um, people were talking about the costumes. TikTok probably helped that immensely. Instagram did. <laughs> and I think the same with makeup and hairstyling. Um, you know, mm. the, the two, Makeup films that people loved were, were, you know, were definitely Cruella. That was recreated all over Halloween for whatever sense of Halloween there was. And right. the same for Coming to America. <laughs> Stacey Morris and Carla Farmer are, are really respected. And, mm -hmm. you know, that, that's why they showed up. I feel like you're you're reading our minds here, Jazz, because you're in your answers. You're already touching on a bunch of questions that we have laid out later on. But we'll, we'll go in the. You did mention House of Gucci. Uh, I know that was one of the more polarizing films in terms of you, you know if you talk to a hundred different people, you might get fifty different explanations or or uh, reviews of House of Gucci this year. But from a crafts perspective, and and certainly from at least a, a costume design, hair and makeup perspective, the artistry perspective, there was. A quite a deal of that put into the House of Gucci movie, and yet again, it's one of the bigger blockbusters and one of the bigger standalone independent titles, at least that were purely theatrically released of the year. But yet, it only stands with one nomination. Do you think the the reception and the polarization of that reception 
had something to do with that? Is that what you heard along the way here? Or is there any insight you could add about how House of Gucci ended up where it was? Because honestly, Mike and I enjoyed our time in the theater with it, but we understand why it was kind of received the way it was. Yeah. Yes. Um, Okay. Well, in case you do not know (laughs) me on Twitter, I'm a huge Gaga fan. I've been, I have Mm -hmm. been since 2009. Um, I Mm. understand the polarization of it. And, you know, my benchmark, and I know for a lot of people too, is either like their spouse or like, you know, parents, like what do their parents watch? And I, you know, as I was watching this, I was like, okay, my in-laws are going to struggle with this film. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, when they saw it, my text was filled with like questions. I was like, (laughs) ah, okay. Okay. So that's like Joe public, right? They're not in our bubble that we live in, that we exist in. Um, So that to me was like, ah, okay. Um, In terms of the, you know, how it performed and the polarization of it. Critics either critics loved it or they hated it. But the most everybody kind of said, well, Gaga was really good. Or it was like they couldn't decide if it was a camp camp film. And I hate to use the word camp, but they couldn't decide if it was camp mm. or if it was like a serious serious thing. Um I feel that she probably could have, if if you ask me why did she miss, um, you know, everybody had her, I think after SAG, right? Sure. Everybody yeah. suddenly was like, oh, she's going to get in. The day before the Oscar nominations were announced, I picked up the phone, I called my friend in the WGA, and I was like, I have a theory. He goes, what? I was like, I think Gaga's going to miss tomorrow. <laughs> and he was like, God. That coming from you is crazy. No, she's oh, not no. going to miss. I was like, no, I see a scenario where she misses. And sure enough, and I didn't want to tweet it because I value my life. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I value, you know, like, I don't want people Googling stuff. Like, they know where I work. So, like, I'm not going to put this out there. And... I and then when it happened, I was I was like, it was that thing where it's four o'clock in five o'clock in the morning for us in LA, and I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, cruise, and then it was Coleman, and then you're like, oh wait, the alphabet, and then they went to Kidman, and <laughs> my brain is like going through like the Sesame Street A B C D. I was like, oh, she missed. <laughs> then I was like, oh wait, um, and then Leno missed too. So I think it goes back to the knee thing. I think people are like, oh, she's definitely going to get in now. She's definitely going to get in. We'll give it to, like, Kristen Stewart or we'll give it to Penelope Cruz, mm. who mm. Penelope Cruz, God bless her soul, she was here. She was doing all those Q&As during mm-hmm. Christmas, uh, the Christmas break. You know, I know Scott Mance moderated one at the Landmark, and I was like, wow, she's doing a ton of, of, of these things. She came in and she hit it the right moment. I don't know who took, you know, that slot. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think there was that conviction that, oh, she, Gaga was probably going to get in so they, they could give that 
to somebody else right. uh, to supporting actor. I think J.K. You know, being the Ricardos, J.K. Simmons. I, I I don't think many people saw him coming in, right. or like we had him, and then we're like, nah, it's just going to be Nicole and and Javier. And I think J.K. or Jesse like probably took Jared's slot. Mm. It makes the season fun, but it also like it's the ecstasy and the agony of, yes. of rooting for this, and the the ups and downs of of the momentum. And like you're saying with Parallel Mothers, the late push there, Sony Pictures Classics knowing exactly what they're doing yeah. with Penelope Cruz and Iglesias and getting them in, like like Nightmare Alley, for instance. To kind of bring this segment to a close with the movie by movie thing, Nightmare Alley has this late push where I, I mean, it, ha- it delivers the goods in terms of the artisan categories, the production design, Guillermo's Carnival, is, it speaks for itself. When N- Nightmare Alley comes back with a vengeance, kind of with the black and white cut and, and getting back in theaters and all the all the events it does. Mike and I are wondering if West Side Story is going to come back, kind of late March here because these. Especially these 20th Century Studios, Searchlight, these Disney properties, they know how to play this season. They've been there, done that a thousand times. God, they're good at it, right? And Mm -hmm. West Side Story, our last guest mentioned that it's coming out on Disney Plus at the beginning of March here. It may come. It may have this comeback narrative and that dress. I just keep thinking when I think about this season, I think about these categories. Yeah, that Debose dress. That just popped with the red underneath. I don't even know what you call it, but it just my caveman brain went crazy. It was one of those things where, you know, you just get goosebumps. And it happened in, in Nightmare Alley a few times, too, with that, that circular thing that you saw yeah. stills of months. And, and like those things matter. And it probably leaves such a striking impression. Do you think West Side Story could come back and maybe have a big surge of momentum, kind of like Nightmare Alley had going into the nominations? You know, I absolutely can because I so many uh, voters love that film. Like, mm. if they had, if they, there's the bunch that obviously saw it to vote for it, and then there are people that would be like, you know what, I want to revisit this film, and I think that it absolutely can. And that dress is stunning. Yeah, like it is. Yeah as soon as you say it you know exactly the visual just pops back into your head and it's the same with nightmare alley like visually those films are so strong that i can be like remember when kate blanchett's in the office with bradley cooper and she's wearing that black you know that black two-piece suit you know exactly Mm -hmm. the the image just pops right in but um i do think west side story could be you know could also surprise very easily. You've mentioned a couple times, mm-hmm. and, and this is going off of what Mike just said about how West Side Story is coming out on Disney+, Plus, and you've mentioned th- this screener versus streamer argument, and it's 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 the more experts we talk to and the more people who are like ingrained in the industry, I just wanted to get your opinion on that. So you, you seem to also be of the belief that, while yes, the screeners are wonderful, you've mentioned how there might be problems with DVD player availability and, and other things like that. If I'm reading between the lines, you think people tend to lean more towards streaming anyway if it's at their disposal and they can click two buttons that's easier for them than to get the actual screener dvd and put it in for and watch for themselves at home i i think so i mean i think coda is a brilliant example of that right like Mm. you know coda came out last a year ago uh a year ago 
Um, I don't know. I've lost all sense of time. But, you know, take Coda, take you know, while Apple were having screenings, you know, in-person Q&As and all of that, that film did so well. It did, you know, um, Sean Hedder did such a great job of getting out there and more and more people started to watch it. I think whether it was whether they they suddenly realized they had they whether they had apple tv they they saw that film um which is why it was like you had to have that film in your top 10 if you were predicting the oscars because people saw it they kind of went in like not quite sure what to expect they came out of that film loving it so you know donor cup is another example right Mm. um netflix did a great job with that um but that showed up um because who doesn't have a Netflix subscription mm-hmm. or who's not I'm gonna say stealing a subscription <laughs> from somebody. It's like, hey, what's your password kind of thing. Right. Um who doesn't have that going on? So I think, you know, people it, it, as long as they can click a button and it's easy as opposed to like, okay, I need to get a two factor authentication thing to mm. to you know to see the script, to see that, I think that had a huge impact. I, you know, for West Side Story getting in, that is props to, you know, the team at Disney. They made sure the mm. right people saw that film over the holidays, like, you know, and that's that yeah. that's a testament to to that team. You're answering so many burning yeah. questions we've been Absolutely. having about these 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 movies. Uh, I was hoping to ask you a few more burning questions about the categories in general because we are shifting from the branches nominating the films for the Oscars to everybody voting uh, from the Academy at large for the winners. So I'm afraid some of these questions may seem a bit cynical, but they're also like you, they could be romantic. I don't know if they're cynical or romantic. It could go either way. And I'm, I'm wondering if this one might be romantic because I think people get swept away when you're shooting on location. When you're shooting mm-hmm. on location at a Spencer and those German estates and, and Pablo Lorraine gets the, the, the drone shot or helicopter, I don't know what he's but it's uh, it makes you marvel when you watch the cars pull in, et cetera, of the royal family, to House of Gucci and it feels like a Bond movie around Europe and they're going from from real location to real location and it's just blowing you away to the, obviously the real Gucci on display there. I wonder if films like that get dinged because they're just using the real thing. But it's puzzling to me because like films like The Favorite, they get they they still get in and when the favorite they're they're shooting on location at these real castles but i love this category so much because and you've covered the hell out of production design because you have the set de- decoration you have the art departments at large and of course you have the art directors but you also have the location scouts so what do you think is this a bias is this something that uh is a disadvantage to some movies when they shoot on location no, I, I, I totally don't think it is. I think it's, you know, it is a showcase of the craft, right? Because when you shoot on location, you're dealing with natural, you know, you're dealing with the elements. Like, you're mm-hmm. dealing with, oh, 
well, we've got to shoot this. Uh, and I'm going to use in the Heights, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, remember that film that should have gotten a ton of Oscar love <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, right. Twitter happened. Um, but that pool scene, the 96,000 number where Alice Brooks did such an incredible job of her cinematography, Nelson Coates, you know, found that, that location and put 500 extras in a pool and they were dealing with, they had to find a pool large enough to shoot that number and they mm-hmm. did. And obviously pool season is happening and they had several days to shoot that. And as they started shooting, it started to rain because hello, New York. Um, <laughs> but so they were fight, they were fighting to find like moments where there was a break in the clouds to, to get that in. And that's, that's an incredible, you know, if obviously if they did it on a soundstage, they could have done that too. But I, I think it's just like an incredible testament to, to the craft of production design and, and cinematography when you're working with with the elements in the same way that West Side Story, Yanis Kaminsky missed the ASC, which was mind blowing to me. But, you know, he's one of the great cinematographers and, you know, read how he had to deal with like, well, we need continuity and they're shooting this number outside, like, you know, America and the sunlight need the sun needed to be in a certain spot because Otherwise, he'd come back and, you know, it'd be like golden out, magic hour or whatever. Right. So, you know, I think, I don't think it's a strike against them at all. And to go back to Doom, you know, that was not done in a studio. And you, boy, could you tell hmm. that, you know, like you could tell that they really did build like an or I can never say the word ornithopter <laughs> or whatever the hell that flying dragonfly is. Um <laughs> And they really put that on a hill somewhere in Jordan. And that was not against a green screen. Truly, I, I echo what you said. It does look stunning when you're not doing it against a green screen. You could obviously tell. Uh, you've made allusions to a couple times as well during this conversation. The power of social media, let's say, especially when it pertains to the crafts. Hmm. And you mentioned TikTok earlier. I'm very, very curious how you personally view TikTok and how the industry people you've talked to view it. I mean, the power of TikTok can't be denied. And I think we, the article that you just co-wrote alongside uh, John Burlingame and Chris Williams talking about the original song category, it was why they, why Encanto specifically went with Dos Orguitas over We Need to Talk, We Don't Talk About Bruno. And and again, your colleague Clayton Davis provided a little more clarity with that with his interview with Lin-Manuel recently. But because the Bruno song is such a hit right now, it, not only on the Billboard charts, but certainly within TikTok. Like, has the power of TikTok become undeniable in this last year when it pertains to what crafts want to do with their films and how they want to position them for nomination? I mean, does the industry see TikTok more as a, a passing fad or is it like something they are putting more stock into and taking more seriously? I'm just, I'm wondering how the insiders see what TikTok is doing to the film industry. I... I see it as a potential, you know, I think it's still being looked at, right? Mm-hmm. Because, and to go back to to the Emmys, right? Bridgerton, the, the, the album that was up for, and I forget if it actually did end up getting nominated in the end. Um, so Bridgerton, the, the un, 
author not unauthorized it was uh, it was music inspired by bridgerton mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. that album did so well and it started on tiktok right, right. ratatouille was a tiktok musical right yeah in the running for for that so i think people are start the industry is starting to see the power of tiktok right um and then taking us back taking us up to we don't talk about bruno as soon as that film landed on disney plus we don't talk about bruno became this crazy sensation bigger than let it go like you know you never thought let it go would would, would ever be you know knocked off its throne right. but it did by this song because of the power of tiktok it then went up on the billboard charts blah 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 we know why it didn't get you know and lynn has said this so many times it's like you know dosser is like the heart of the film right. like that song is that yes we don't talk about bruno is the catchiest one it's the one that everybody knows but you know when you're talking about songs that in songs that like really encapsulate the story that was it um so i don't you know i understand why disney did it i you know um i think more and more people will stop paying attention to it um and i wouldn't be surprised if you know in a year or so there'll be campaign you know there'll be tiktok things like you know how we do instagram live i think more and more people will start getting you know uh you'll start seeing more pe more things show up on tiktok in in the same way that that influenced makeup like you know look at hair and makeup over halloween euphoria is huge on tiktok mm -hmm. that makeup so i definitely think tv is paying attention to it i feel like film will probably catch on to it i don't know and it'll be used as an influencer thing as opposed to like a campaign thing but who knows uh, I got to get over my uh, oldness and just get on TikTok <laughs> myself. Uh, right? Your power. I'm not a dancer. But I, 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 anyway, people don't want to know. Jazz, two more questions. I got one about makeup and hair, and Mike's got one about costumes. And uh, thank you again for doing this. M makeup and hair, speaking of the viral, the viral videos and the viral marketing and how these things can sweep up kind of film Twitter in general – this year's makeup and hair category seems to be overcapitalizing on what's won the category in the past. Like when Megan Kelly, Charlize Theron's transformation happened mm. and those picks went nuts for Bobshell, or when Christian Bale went full Dick Cheney or, or going back to uh, Gary Oldman and Winston Churchill. Like this category typically has maybe one nomination where you have this bodysuit face prosthetics transformation that carries the day when the whole Academy is voting on it. This year, we have four nominations and we have Cruella with the black and white hair and, and all that viral marketing. I don't know how you parse through this category in Vegas. Vegas is having a hard time right now. Tammy Faye's the favorite, but Dune's right on its heels. What do you think the Academy at large is going to do with makeup and hairstyling with, uh, with all four of these Stellan Skarsgård in the big bad costume from Dune, yeah. Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall doing what they've always done, making us laugh, coming to America, all their costumes. And then of course you have Paolo and Tammy Faye Baker. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, ultimately it is about the craft and they do 
love those transformations. Um, which way they go, guess what? Saturday night is the Makeup and Hairstyling Guild Awards. Mm. So Mua. I would say <laughs> look there as a start and then you can probably maybe get a, an idea of which way which way it's going to go. I, I, right. I do feel maybe Cruella could could surprise um right but you know there are a lot of good stories there too you know you've got uh stacy morris and carla farmer who did come into america who you know last year me and neil and jamika wilson became the the first black women to win in that category after like mm-hmm. you know so many years right. so they would follow um then you have the gucci story with frederick Asperus becoming the second Asian American to be nominated in that category. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Kazuhiro has been nominated, is the only other Asian American to be nominated and to win. So I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, are they going to go for the story because they do like a good story? Or are they going to go for the transformation? So, yeah. or are they just going to go for, well, Cruella is such a makeup film. This is this is what we're we're gonna pick. I, I I don't know, but I guess right now, if you were to be like Jazz, we want you to pick one. I might say Tammy Faye, and the reason I say that is then I wonder if it will tie in with Jessica Chastain winning. She is overdue, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she's the only one to have. That's the only one to have the makeup, her styling actress tie and. That sometimes correlates. So it makes a lot of sense. We'll see. We were speculating heavily about that very thing in our last episode, so it makes us feel good that we're not talking too crazy. It was an expert like you was weighing in and uh, kind of validating our our projections there. So that's that makes a lot of sense on this end. I uh, feel better. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, I had a long question for to get you out of here, but we're running up against time, so I'll, I'll condense it and I'll look towards the future in next year's Oscars uh, and and say. Uh, just ask you this. Marry Me has to be nominated for costume design next year, right? If you're writing about how that was a 95-pound <laughs> wedding dress that J-Lo was fit into by five people. <laughs> as much as I love that film, I do not think it's going to get it. <laughs> I feel... <laughs> yeah, I, I feel... <laughs> no. No, you don't think not, you that think it my... needed to be a hundred pounds for a wedding dress to, for her to get nominated. <laughs> I think for it co- absolutely yeah. needs right. to be a hundred pounds. I think it needs to be handmade and designed too. That was an off the <laughs> off the runway. So I see. All right. Well, <laughs> Jazz, thank you so much. Yeah, this was a blast. We oh love God, talking to you. It's you one of so our favorite much. conversations every year. We cannot thank you enough for giving us part of your time. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. That was so fun. I'm glad we made that happen. <laughs> It's funny, when I emailed Jazz about setting up this interview this time, I I, I jokingly said to her, and we hope you join us again, because every time you're nice enough to grace us with your presence, you raise our prestige like about seven levels. (laughs) And it's not a joke, it's dead serious, because she's awesome, and I think you just heard again why, dear listener. She definitely raises the ceiling of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. (laughs) There's no doubt about it. I I do want to, you know, again, 
if you guys are not following Jazz Tanke on social media, you're missing out. Jazz T on Twitter, Jazz T21 on Instagram. Obviously, if you're reading about production design, costume design, the artisan categories like we talked about, you're reading Jazz's work because she's posting a ton of it out there. She's posting a ton of great stuff. If you're clicking on Variety, that's who's writing that. If you're not noticing, it's Jazz Tankhead <laughs> almost every single time. <laughs> she's yeah. doing wonderful work. And if you if you want to get hyped about movies, if you want to if you want to know like how'd they do that. You know, Jazz is probably posting on it all year round, uh, and I, that happened to me a bunch of times. Like Tommy Lee, and uh, we're not covering TV, but she does so much work yeah. on the TV side of things as well. Uh, and I was just watching Pam and Tommy, and for Christ's sake, of course, she had an article. I was just curious, and and there it was. So again and again, Jazz is uh is someone you know just one of those guests where we have so many burning questions built up i'm sure we'll have and i'll remember like 10 more i was freaking out on the doc today mike like did we ask her everything (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure we did not because there's just so much stuff but she also answers a lot in in what she posts so that there's always that as well like scott yeager jazz is someone we could probably talk to for hours on end and just you know talk their ear off but uh Cannot thank her enough. Again, the uh, the Variety Artisans Awards Ceremony, which Jazz is a major part of, will take place at the Santa Barbara Film Festival Monday, March 7th at 8 p.m. Be on the lookout for those. Be on the lookout for the Muaz uh, later tonight, if you're listening to this on Saturday the 19th, as those will be big players in letting you know what might happen on the Oscar stage with all these below-the-line categories. Otherwise, Mike told you where you can find and follow Jazz's work. Uh, if you dear listener would like to find and follow our work you can do that as well as leave us any other thoughts comments questions or concerns you have about anything we do here in the mmo empire our social medias are are i can speak our social medias are mike mike and oscar on facebook and instagram at mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available wherever you hear podcasts if you're listening to us on either the apple podcast or spotify app if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review if you appreciate what we do for oscar season we would appreciate you doing that for us michael Let's uh, let's tell the good people what's coming next. We're taking a little bit of a right-hand turn away from Oscars coverage for at least one episode because we need a little palate cleanser, and then we're going right back into Oscars stuff, and let's have some words of wisdom to end on. Well, the words of wisdom are easy because it's follow Jazz Tank A. Mm-hmm. The, what's coming next part is a bit of something that we've been having production meetings about and i don't know if we should do the mike mike and oscars yet we don't we're thinking that we're we're gonna lean towards the mike mike and oscars at the end of next week mm-hmm. uh because we can't have the mike mike and oscars in april can we we did this last year it was too late yeah it was we just we kind of just threw them aside so yeah so Thank i you. think we should do I think it you're making a good point yeah sooner than later anyway the mike mike and oscars are coming we've been building up to it forever we've been goofy about it in the last year and i think we're going to be goofy about it again and we can't help ourselves uh next episode though we are going to bite into a movie i'm very afraid of in texas chainsaw massacre you and a certain uh the be- best buddy of yours <laughs> who are just getting me into this. I'm very afraid. Uh, it's been she, getting killed on Twitter all day, too. I was looking before we hit record. It's been people are just talk about a massacre, which probably makes it more interesting for you, too. Yes. Yes. Uh, and we're so going to tie afraid. you to the back of the truck and drag you by your ankles along. That's how this will go. And I can't wait. <laughs> I'm so scared, but we have to do it. We have to do it. Taking a little detour, we will be covering Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Swell is on the line for that and on the hook for that. So 
she, it was one of her demands, to be honest. She, like, texted me and was like, I'm coming on for Texas Chainsaw. And I was like, oh, okay. You, you got it, Amanda. We <laughs> so, got to do it. Look, look forward to that. Look forward to the Mike, Mike, and Oscars. And look forward, as always, we're in the throes. We're in the heat of the sprint here. So it'll be all Oscars and award season uh, from here on out, as it always is. And we're even going to have some Oscars talk at the top of that episode. Uh, even though it will be a Texas Chainsaw episode, there's going to be some Oscars talk with Amanda as she's going to come back on and weigh in uh, with, with the demographic thought and it'll be kind of a follow-up yeah. to the last time she was on with the conversation she and I had. So all Oscars all the time, even when you're covering Leatherface stuff. That's how we <laughs> kind of do it here on Mike, Mike, and Oscar. But uh, guys, when reality sucks, you can come talk to some experts with us, some of the best in the field. And once again, our thanks to Jazz Tanke for joining us once again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. See you. See you.